0: Well, that was awesome, you know, just to think that for the glory of it all The greatest glory that there could ever be ascribed to God Was that He came here for our redemption And that just blessed me, that song is so awesome Yeah, bless God for the goodness that He portrayed in Jesus Christ Well, I want to speak a little bit about finances We're going to go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9 And um, the reason why I speak on finances basically in every session, is so that you can just be taught the truth concerning this matter. And uh, there's great deception in the world concerning this. Um, Many people are scared to speak the truth about this, but I believe that God has given this platform of Grace Stream TV to preach the truth about this matter as well. So we're going to go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You can write it down or you can turn there... In your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter um, 9, and we're going to read there from verse, we'll read from verse 1. And I'm sure this is going to touch your life. Another reason why I teach this is simply for you, like I said, so that you can know the truth about this. And so that you can experience the freedom that comes with the truth about this. You know, uh, when you hear truth, it sets you free. It gives you that liberty to experience the God life in your life. It brings peace. It takes away burdens. It sets people free. Now, here it says in verse 1, and and people were examining Paul, and they were saying, well, in what level of apostle is he? And they were measuring his level in a certain way, and, and, and he saw, In if you read Second Corinthians, you'll see how he... Um, How he understood how they saw him Because there were other apostles that came there And and they cared for those apostles They would give them a place to stay, And they would give them some food uh, Some food to eat and to drink Basically just basic needs for the apostle um, Or for the preacher that came But Paul didn't make a demand on that And then they saw him less In a lesser light Than than the other uh, apostles There was churches that cared for Paul But Paul never came and used it as a demand or made use of that right And I'm going to explain that to you in this way And, and, and that will set you free So never feel, you know, if somebody preaches to you You must now give to him there's, n- there's nothing like that in the Bible If he makes use of that right Then he places you under a law And Paul didn't make use of that right Because he said if I make use of that right It can be to a stumbling Of the people to stumble And not receive the gospel. And he also called it a burden. He said that to make use of this right. In other words. To come and demand this of people. Is what the law does. The law has come with a right that it's got. I mean the law has a right. And then he makes use of that right. In a demand form. And we're going to look at the way. In which Paul did this. And um, how he very subtle. And very beautifully. Uh, reminded them basically of who they are in Christ and how the New Testament functions And for them uh, to, to give out of the abundance of their heart You know it's like with me, if I'm a preacher and I come and I preach at your church You're a pastor, you invite invites me I'm not going to, if you ask me back to you, what are you going to ask me? I'm going to say nothing, I don't ask you anything I'm coming, if I've got the money to come to you, then I'll come. So I'll wait until I have the money to come. Or if you want to cover those costs, then you do it. But I'm not going to demand anything. You know, I've got people that pray f- that ask me to come to the churches and they say, what's your fee? Man, that's blasphemy. Already. What, what, what's your fee? It's already wrong. Now, I don't say the, the person that says that is not of God because I believe he's of God, but what he is, was taught through his life and that thought pattern is not of God. Um, how can you charge money for the preaching of the gospel? It's, it's impossible. It's not a New Testament concept and the scripture here uh, is used out of context where, where it says that Paul, he, he had this right but he didn't make use of it. Why? So that he would not burden people. So what happens if you make use of that right? You burden people. But if people out of the abundance of their heart gave like the church in Philippi, you know, he didn't make a demand of the church in Philippi. The church in Philippi decided out of the abundance of their heart to give, then he used it. So, um, what it actually is, is what Paul is saying is, I'm not going to ask you for money, but if you want to give it freely out of your heart, I'll take it and make use of it. For that is basically how this New Testament thing works, is I preach to you and you give. But if you demand that of the people, you put them under a burden and that's a law. You can't demand it. So you've got that right. Or uh, another word, we should actually not use the word right. It's actually the word privilege. It's a privilege that when somebody preaches the Word of God and has left his work to preach the Word of God to you, there's a privilege that he has. And that is that when people out of the abundance of their hearts want to give, that he can make use of that. But it's wrongly understood if we say that, well, I'm going to demand this now. Listen, I'm the preacher here and you better care for me. And what Paul says is, listen, when I come to you and I, and, I, and I preach the gospel to you, there's an expectation of my heart that you guys would at least give me food and something to drink. And that's the context. Let's, let's listen to this uh, from verse 1. It says, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not you my work in the Lord? If, it be, um, if I be not an apostle unto others, yes, doubtless I am unto you. For the seal of my apostleship are you in the Lord. My answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a, a wife, as well as the other apostles and as the other brother of the Lord and Cephas? Or, only I, um, or I only and Barnabas, have not, have not we the power to forbear working? Then he goes and he explains how this thing works. Let's go um, to verse 11. It says, If we have sown unto you spiritual things, it's a great thing if we reap your carnal things. If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffered all things, lest we should hinder the gospel. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers of the altar? Even so has the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live off the gospel, but I have Used none of these things; neither have I written these things, that it should be done unto me. For if we were, for it would be better for me to die, than that any man should make my glory void. Now, <laughs> Paul is saying an awesome thing. Here. He is saying, listen, the way it actually works in the gospel is, if I preach to you, um, it's not wrong for me. To receive of your material things But I want to just say this I loved you so much That I was not willing to even mention this To make use of this right in any way Or to guide this relationship Towards the point that I You know, come to your house now Expecting to eat with you And those type of things Now listen, the context here is not A brand new car The context here is Have we not power to eat and to drink The context here is simply to eat and to drink To have the basic needs met to survive So that they can preach the gospel Listen, we want to stay somewhere And we just want a meal Um, And now this thing is so many times taken out of context So that we can buy Armani suits And uh, crocodile leather shoes And aeroplanes And uh, Rolls Royce and whatever Now, I don't say that you're not allowed to have an aeroplane If you're a preacher that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying don't use this scripture for that because this is not what this scripture says and this scripture does not lean towards that. In this scripture what we can take out of this is the love, and, the love of an apostle to people that he does not make use of a right that there was or of a privilege that there was and he came in. You know, if he, didn't, he came into town and the first thing he did was he got a job. And that's how he said, listen, I don't want part in this because if he's got a job and he's cared for and he preaches, I mean, the people's not going to give to him because he's caring for himself. And the reason why he did this was if people had a problem in their hearts with money, they would stumble over the thing if he demands it. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to read from verse 12. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought amongst you in all um, patience, in signs and in wonders and in mighty deeds. For what, it, it, uh, for what is it wherein you were inferior to the other churches, except that it be that I myself was not burdensome to you, forgive me this wrong. So what Paul says is, listen, the difference between you and the other churches is that um, you didn't care for my necessity. You, there was other churches that did give to Paul. But the church in Corinth, they did not give to Paul. They didn't make use of that right to them. And he says, now he says here, and he's speaking um, with sarcasm, and he's saying, listen, forgive me. This is not a correction <laughs> of the inspired word of God in Corinthians, the first Corinthians. This is simply sarcasm towards them. This is what he says. For what is it wherein you were inferior to the other church, except, it be that I myself was not burdensome to you. Forgive me this wrong. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. So here he says again, I don't want to come to get money from you. So he's not repenting from what has happened in the first. He's not saying, well, now I'm making a demand on this. He is still boasting in the fact that he loves the church so much that he's not willing to make a demand on their money. Now, I do believe that Paul will take money that comes out of a free and willing heart like he did and and, and explain in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 and as he did with the church in Philippi. He did take money from church if it came out of a willing heart, but he said, I come to you again, but listen, I don't come for your money. I don't come with a purpose to think Well I'm going to work here now And I'm going to get money from you That's what it says in verse 14 Behold the third time I am ready to come to you And I will not be burdensome to you For I seek not your things But you Listen to this For the children ought not to lay up for the parents But the parents for the children <laughs> Listen, man, this is a religion shocker. That's what it is. Now, you might say, how how do you run your ministry? How do you get money? How do you survive? Simply by people giving out of the abundance of their heart and not making a demand on anything. That's why we say, our material is available for a donation of any amount if you want to donate. If you don't want to do anything, you, you don't. You just get it for free because we are here to serve you. You are not there to serve us. And if you feel by the, by the, 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 the change of character and the, um, what do you call it, willingness to give out of a free heart, the generosity that comes in your heart as a revelation of grace and of the new man that you are in Christ, out of the generosity you say, well, I want to give towards uh, this ministry. Man, bless God, be yourself. You know, But we will not make a demand on you and say, listen, if you give, then God's going to bless you. Or, listen, I've sown now unto you spiritually and I demand uh, 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 material things. No. All that Paul says is, listen, if I preach to you spiritually and you give to me, That's not a big thing. That's not an issue. Let's not make a big thing out of that. It's simply out of the abundance of people's hearts. And then clearly says, Paul said here, Listen, when I come and I get from you to give to another church, the vision is not to burden you. To make a demand and say this must happen, you burden people. If I go right now and I buy... Uh, 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 brand new cameras and new computers and everything, which I don't think is wrong, and I come to you and I say to you, listen, I bought all these things and you are now the source of my finances and I'm going to get the money from you. You know what I do? I put a burden on you. And Jesus says, come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden, and that word heavy laden also means, or, or labor means to be heavy burdened. That means the moment I put that burden unto you, Jesus wants to save you from that. And I'm actually against the work of the cross and that you'll need a savior from my uh, a, a wrong understanding of the gospel. Now, I know that's radical words. Um, that's why we will not make a demand. And you might say, But by saying this, you're actually saying um, uh, under the hand, you know, under your breath, that we, we need money from you. That's not what I'm saying. If that's what you're hearing, my friend, then you're missing it because all I'm doing is I want to just explain to you the truth about this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, be set free from demands and condemnation and judgment about this thing. Realize who Christ is, how generous Christ is, how His generosity enriches you, how He blesses you, how He gives towards you. And as you realize that and get a revelation of the character of God and as you look at your life, the life of Jesus as a generous person and you get that revelation it starts to live in your heart, you'll find that generosity flows out of you and then you just live who you are. That's it. If you've got a passion for the sharing of the gospel and you want to support something that shares the, somebody that shares the gospel, men do that. Because that's what's in your heart. That's it. We don't. We, you can't make them take this scripture in Corinthians and twist it so out of context um, to suit to, to meet needs. What Paul was saying is, listen, man. If I come to a church and I preach there, I um, in in my heart I expect, you know, that they will do something for me in the sense that they will give towards me, but I'll never demand it. He never even spoke of that. Let me tell you something. Paul, I believe with all my heart. Now, I don't have the scripture to prove that. But we also don't have the scripture to prove that the other side of it. But I don't believe that Paul ever once said, Listen, it's time that you guys give to me now. You know, it's time that you care for me. Paul was not like that. He was dying and suffering. Having nothing, saying, well, listen, when it comes to money, you know, I know what it is to have, I know what it is not to have, but God has given me a gift to, to get over what I have and over what I don't have and that is called contentment. Hallelujah. And I believe that in these days, when it comes to the sharing of the gospel, if people's got a vision, if I've got a vision, and I say, listen, we want to go and preach the gospel there and there and there, those of you that feel generosity in your heart to support that, you are free to do it and free not to do it. And the person who doesn't, the person that that doesn't do anything, there's no difference between between the two of you in the eyes of God. There's nothing. What Paul, what what made Paul happy when people gave was um, because he was seeing the fruit of the gospel in the lives of people. Now, if you don't feel that fruit in your heart, man, don't try and work it up. If you feel stingy, don't come and try to give now to get rid of your stinginess because that will not set you free. You need a revelation of what Jesus Christ has done for you and then you will experience freedom. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, um, you are under no obligation and that you must be set free from any judgment and condemnation concerning these things. Just know this one thing, it's like what Paul said to the, to the, um, to the people that are, he said to Timothy, command those that are rich, say, them, say to them three things, not to trust in riches, which is a, the first thing that we must know about money, is not to trust in money in other words don't find your identity in what you own don't uh, uh, trust in money in other words the, the amount of this money trust there means to rest your mind don't rest your mind in finances in other words oh i am blessed of god because look what i drive foolishness i rest my mind because i've got a crocodile leather belt <laughs> It's just pathetic You know, you rest your mind Paul says, don't rest your mind on what you possess The second thing that he says is Let them know that the riches they have comes of God And that God has made them rich to enjoy it That's the second thing And the third thing he says there Is to be good to those that are poor So he never taught Timothy and said, listen First, the, the, the first thing you must tell the rich about their money is the first fruit that must now come to the church. He never said that. He said tell the rich the first thing they must know about money is not to trust in it. In other words, to find their identity and how much they have. The second thing is very simple. Enjoy your money. God's made you rich. The third thing, be overflowing in good works towards them that are poor. He never said... Remind them to support your ministry, Timothy. And press that thing hard because it's your right to prosper. He never said things like that. So, uh, I know it's a a shocking thing. And and, uh, if you're a pastor and you listen to this, you might say, man, you know, I don't know this Bertie guy. if He's right, you know. Maybe they think differently down there in Africa. Well, we're down here in Africa and we're reading right here from the King James Bible. And we've got the same Holy Spirit that's in North America. We've got the same Holy Spirit that's in Europe. And uh, I believe this, tr- this is the truth that was I- in the heart of Paul, which is in the heart of God today. I like that part so much in Corinthians where it says, yeah, um, you know, that the children are not there to care for the parents, but the parents are there to care for the children. It's so needed in the body of Christ, that mentality in the hearts of leaders. Where they see that we are, we are not here to be served, but to serve. Hallelujah. Well, thank God. Thank God for that. Amen. So, I want to say to you when it comes to giving, live the generosity that Christ has placed in your heart. Amen. If you want to give, you feel it in your heart. You feel that freedom. Man, I don't fear, I give you out of love. For a ministry Because I, I, I want to be part of this I want to support this I want to see this gospel Over the, over the world And you feel that excitement That is what is called uh, Giving out of a willing heart Which is pleasing to God For it is giving out of the nature of God That indwells you And when you feel that man Act and do it But if you feel something else My friend You know Don't force yourself You're not under any demand or obligation. You are set free by Jesus Christ. Go and seek your life which is in Christ and let the nature and revelation of Jesus set you free from bondage and fear when it comes to finances. Hallelujah. Right. Let's go to, uh, we're going to get into the word uh, for today. Um, Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Last Sunday, um, I spoke about the renewal of the mind, and uh, we said a, a very important thing that I would like you to, that I would like to repeat and just get um, under, bring under your attention again. You cannot renew your mind. I, you need to say that to yourself, and you need to get it into your heart. Is you cannot renew your mind. You can listen to the Word of God that can renew your mind. Yeah God's word brings a new mindset to you But you In your own mind Deciding Well My mindset The way I think is like this And now today I'm going to read what the Bible says And now I am going to change my mind To a new thing No no The Bible says Be renewed in the spirit of your mind How will you be renewed In the spirit of your mind If somebody must do it For you And in you Hallelujah That's exactly, it's like saying to you, listen, be healed. Okay, how are you going to be healed now? How will you be healed? By listening to the word of the gospel of grace, by hearing that word on the healing of God, that, that faith arises in your heart and the Holy Spirit manifests that healing in your life. That's how you will be healed. There's no other way of being healed. So if I say to you, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, have a renewed mind. How will you do it? it's like saying to you, "Be saved." Okay? Are you now going to save yourself? Say, "Okay, I'm saved now. I'm saved. <laughs> I decided I'm saved." No, no, <laughs> you can't do it that way. So if I say to you, "Have a renewed mind," are you now going to say, "Well, uh, well, from today, I decided to have a new mind. I've got a new mind now." No, no, you've just you've just said that you've got a new mind out of your old mindset and you will continue to live out of your old mindset. The only way you're going to renew your mind is by hearing the Word of God. That's how you renew your mind. That's how you have your mind being renewed for you. And I've said it so many times, I want to say it again, maybe you're a first time viewer today. If I come to you and I say, you know, listen, I'm going to go on holiday um, in a week from now and and, uh, in a week and a half, you see, well, I'm still at home. You asked me what made you change your mind. So what you're actually saying is there's something that makes you change your mind. So there's something that brings forth a change of mind. And what brings forth that change of mind is a different word, a different take on things, a different perspective. And that different perspective is the obedience of Jesus on behalf of man. Like we said, righteousness, the, the, the root, base word for righteousness means a scale or to weigh up. If you are righteous according to the law, you're weighing up to the demand that the law makes on you. So, if you've got a scale and uh, uh, on this side you've got all the commands that you have to do, you must put in the obedience on this side until it weighs up. And when it weighs up, then it says this is a righteous scale. You've weighed up. In the same way, you know, when God climbs in on the one side of the scale and you climb in on the other side in your own ability, in your own effort, you like dust. The Bible says, God does not deal with us according to our works, for He knows that we are just dust. That dust is too light. It cannot weigh up to the glory and the weight that God has. But then God said let me go into dust so that that dust can have weight. And then God came into dust. He came into a human being form and there was God in the heaven and God on earth in the form of Jesus and then man in, in the form of Jesus Christ could pull that scale until there was a balance between God and man. And that's called righteousness. And that is given unto us and by hearing that word Over and over and over and over You'll find that your mind is renewed And as your mind is renewed You'll find a change of life And you'll find freedom from bondage Freedom from fear Freedom from religion Freedom from sickness Freedom from fear of death You'll find hope You'll find uh, freedom from a lustful stuff man. Freedom from Well, my friend drives this And I drive this Freedom from when you get to a meeting where all of your old friends are that you see all of a sudden, well, that you, you, you're watching. What watch am I wearing? And what, what is he wearing? I wonder what his income is. You'll be set free from those things. You'll find that doesn't matter anymore. You'll find well, that is, that's, not, that's not what is important anymore. And will not be, well, I don't worry about what people say. I don't. Man, it will be the truth. It will be the real thing. You'll find a change in life And that's what it says In, um, in, 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 in Romans chapter 12 Now let's quickly go to uh, Romans 5 And I want to just speak a little bit on, on, on fruit bearing And how we get it right to bear fruit The greatest thing that we must realize As Christians is that we cannot bear fruit By our own efforts It's impossible You cannot bear the fruit of holiness Listen man um, we must see ourselves as as uh, instruments. It's like this pen. <coughs> this pen. If I said you can this pen write, you'll say yes. I will say no. It can't. Can't write. Okay, pen. There you are. <coughs> right. Let me see. Uh, the pen is not writing. It's just there. It's dead. This pen. Can write a gracious message to somebody About the love of God And with this pen I can sign a contract unto my th- blessed to my That's a blessing to me Or with this pen I can write a curse Over somebody's life I can write a bad letter So this pen The writing of this pen is 100% determined um, By the person's hand in which it lies so, this, this pen just shows the manifestation of what keeps and holds it. It just manifests that. So, in the same way, we are like this pen. And you will say, Bertie, can a person write? A person, can a person uh, uh, um, live a good life or a bad life or whatever? A person is like dust. It's, it's, just, it's just there. It's somebody that God is like a vessel. And whatsoever is placed into that vessel is what will manifest. So, um, the Bible says in the beginning, God brought enmity between the seed of Satan and the seed of the woman. And He says, He will bruise your head. And now we know that speaks prophetically of Jesus Christ that came and bruised the head of Satan, meaning that He tramped underfoot, that by His walk, He bruised the mindset of Satan, which was the thought pattern that says, by what you do, you become. So Jesus destroyed that. But He said that in future, there will always be enmity between your seed and her seed. And then it also says in uh, Romans, clearly that there's enmity between the spirit and the flesh. The flesh is seeking justification and righteousness and holiness by the efforts of man under the law. The Spirit is being righteous because of the effort of Jesus and receiving the Spirit of God and righteousness as a gift imputed to man. Okay, now, when you are under the law, the seed of the law is inside you and the seed of the law grows and starts to bear fruit. So, it's like, let me put it this way, here's a pen. If, If Satan takes this pen and writes, what do you think will he write? So there you are, you take the word of Satan, that says, by what you do, you become. What do you think will you write? You will be, uh, you will, say there you are, Satan comes, he takes this, then this pen will be alive, all of a sudden, writing death. And the hand that he uses, which is contrary to you, which is against you, is the law. So, the way he writes, the way Satan writes in the lives of people, is by dumping the law into their hearts and into their belief systems, because that is the only way in which he can have his way and his will in your life. Man, that is is a radical, radical statement. Well, I I must be honest, I I didn't plan to say it that radically, but it is, thank God, what I believe I'm inspired of God to do. If God comes and He takes you and you're placed in the hand of God, what do you think will He write with your life? The hand of God is Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the message of grace. That's the hand of God. So when you place yourself in the hand of God, when you can see that I was nailed into the hand of God, when you can see that that was His love for you, and herein is the love of God, that He gave His Son, so that we don't have to live through Moses anymore, but through Jesus... The moment you see that you are becoming an instrument in the hand of God and God's word is coming into your life and He is bearing fruit in your life. Hallelujah. So you as a person, you're just a vessel. The word that you allow, a vessel that's alive, that's got the ability to hear, the ability to open its belief system, the, the ability to say, um, to, to, to say I, I, can, I can think and meditate upon a certain thing. You are a vessel that God made alive with the ability to allow something into your heart that will, you're like ground. You know the ground outside here in my garden, it's alive. But that life, it, it's just a medium. In which the life of God can live, all the life of Satan. The life of Satan comes forth and is it, it, it comes forth and it brings forth death life. When you meditate and ponder and believe the law message, that's why Jesus came to the Pharisees and He said to them, "You are of your father Satan." You know, there are so many scriptures. Jesus said to, said to people, he, says, uh, he said to them, if you then they, they argued with Jesus in, in um, I think it's Luke 8. They argued with Jesus. They said, no, no, we don't have Satan as our father. We've got Abraham as our father. And they said, if Abraham was your father, you would have listened to me. They said, no, we've got even God as our father. And then He said, if God was your father, then you would have believed me. So what I was actually saying to them is, listen, there is a man inside you that is born of Satan. And that man that was born of Satan was the person that manifests in holiness and tried to manifest a life that had its foundation in rules and regulations. Now, I believe the life that was in the man, in other words, the fact that he was alive and lived and had this human body, that was made of God. And that was valuable to God. And, the peop- and that very same person that Jesus said to you, listen, um, you're of your father, Satan. He said to them, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Like a hen gathers her chicks, saying that they were also born of God. Saying that, listen, the origin of man, you as a person, is of me. And I wanted to gather you. But what's in your life, this law system that's in your life, the person that manifests coming out of a religious system, I want to say to you, you're born of Satan. If you were of my Father, you would have heard my word, but you can't hear my word. Man. That repeats itself in the writings of Paul as well after the resurrection of Jesus Christ as well. People say, because you, you don't have part in Him. That's why you don't hear His word. Because you've already Partook of the law And then the law gave birth to a man inside you Now I want to say this And, and, and this is church I mean in, in church this is my church This is where I speak my heart And uh, you might say But how is this relevant to the rest of the world Maybe I don't want to be relevant to the, to the rest of the world right now I just want to speak to the web church members That watches this um, You know that I know your heart's with this ministry And everything um, You know The the more we know this, the the more we know the devastation of the the, the ministration of death and the life of the ministration of life, the more our minds will rest in in the gospel. The more we will find that, man, this is is what God has freely given to us. And the more we can realize that there's life, that's what will happen. The more we will realize that there's only life in Jesus Christ. I must be honest that I've come to a place In my life where I You know, in Afrikaans we say Ek wil nie gesig koop nie I'm not trying to please In English I want to say it this way I'm not trying to have a beautiful face in front of you And smile so that you can just feel nice Not that I'm not concerned about your well-being And the peace in your heart But I'm not here People, I'm not here to Tickle the ears of people with the law. Jesus Christ didn't come to do that. Paul never came to do that. Peter fell into that trap. I tell you, the Apostle Paul had to be a very lonely person. You know, at the end of his ministry, you know, he came to a place where he says, Listen, um, I I sent this guy to you guys. For I had nobody else that was of the same mind. He had nobody else That was of the same mind The Apostle Paul Now you might say But how effective was his ministry then I don't care It's about the truth That he preached Hallelujah And I want to tell you If you want to ask How effective was the the Apostle Paul He didn't have a big church There was places when he preached In stadiums And there was thousands of people All that But the, the ministry of Paul, man, he knew the names of the apostles, in, or the names of the elders and deacons and just people in churches, in the churches where he ministered. He knew them. He, he, he had a ministry where he worked. In Corinth, he worked. And I want to say this, Corinth wasn't the only church where he worked. He worked in other places as well. Just be honest with yourself, that's exactly how it was. Um, then Paul, I mean, he would preach at a place and then say, well, Satan resisted me and then he ran away. I tell you, then he sat in jail 80% of his life. Christian life. He was just in jail. Then he was in jail here. Then he was in jail there. Then he was in jail there. Most of of his letters, that was written, and I I said it wrongly, 80% of the letters he wrote was out of jail. Not of his life, of the letters he wrote. So, then he was in jail. But listen, from jail, he wrote letters to churches that is still today in millions and millions and millions of Bibles all over the world. There's not a billion Bibles. The letters of the Apostle Paul, still alive in the church today, 2,000 years after he died revolutionizing the minds and the lives of thousands of people every day, giving people hope unto eternity, and even God Almighty confirms the writings of the Apostle Paul. Now you're asking me, uh, was he effective or not? Let me tell you something, the word of grace is alive forever. Long after Bertie Brits is dead. These messages will be aired and listened to people for hundreds of years if Jesus doesn't come. For this is the gospel of grace. This word is alive. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's just alive. And I want to say to you, let's, let's take the, let the hand of grace Take you up And let him write So that your life can be a living Epistle Of the life of Jesus Christ Hallelujah Let's not flirt with the law For that's what the Bible says in Romans Chapter 7 Jesus Christ died And when he died we died So that we can be married To a new person Married to Jesus So that we can be intimate So that fruit can come out of this Relationship of intimacy Where His seed is planted in us And His seed starts to bear fruit in our lives You cannot bear fruit on your own The Bible says in John 15 It says there Of ourselves we can do nothing So the sin that's in your life Is a result of the law The beauty that's in your life Is a result of grace That's it The Bible says So And and I want to say this But Baptist Do you say that I'm under the law If I've got sin in my life Well I've got things in my life that's, That's not right That's sin And I tell you now The reason why that manifests Is because of a wrong belief system Concerning that Now I don't walk in condemnation Concerning those things Bradley, does that mean that you've got things wrong in your life and you don't feel bad? Yeah. Now, that is too radical. Now, the Bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, whose belief system is grounded and rooted in the Spirit and not in the message of, I transgress and then die. Hallelujah. For I don't have a life anymore i've only got one life and that is jesus for he is my life. man that is something. that is really something that can set people free from not knowing the unconditional love of god and not knowing true fruit of the spirit. hallelujah. Let me tell you something. When it comes to the gospel of grace and, 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 and our minds is into this gospel, it's nothing to lay down our lives. Nothing. It, it, it comes so naturally. We don't even see it. You just see, well, I'll give this up, I'll give that up, I'll do this, I'll do that. For me to sponsor something financially that promotes the gospel of grace, well, that's nothing. I'll do it. I don't even think twice. I just want that to happen, to manifest you know, it comes naturally. So I want to say to you, it's exactly the same with you. Exactly, exactly, exactly. We can't. It says there that there's no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. So when we've got sin in our lives, we've got things in our lives that's not right, don't walk with this judgment condemnation. Because you condemn, what condemns you, my friend? No, the law condemns me. Why does the law condemn me? What what have you got to do with right and wrong and rules and regulations, touch not, handle not, um, and those type of things? What do you have to do with that? You don't belong there. That's not your place. Go home. (laughs) Hallelujah. And when you're home in the presence of your father, even with wrong things in your life, and as your mind gets renewed, you'll find that you are transformed to the very same image. And where you've got a shortcoming in your life and a groaning saying, God, I groan now because of this thing. I want deliverance here. I want to see the manifestation of deliverance. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for you. For you, obviously, know not what to pray. To see the full manifestation of this thing and to see the glorification in your body and He makes intercession and then He comforts your heart. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, uh, um, Romans chapter 5 from verse 19 then we're going to go over to chapter 6 and I have ministered on this but I want you to see this again because so many times when it comes to fruit bearing we are condemned because we say, well... The tree uh, 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 is known by its fruit. So, listen, let's look at the fruit and then we discover the tree. It's true. If the fruit is not good, it means the root is a law. If the fruit is good, it means the root is Christ and grace. Hallelujah. And then it says, how can this type of a fruit, this type, uh, uh, say, how can... A bramble bush Bear grapes It's impossible It it cannot happen And what what Jesus was talking about In the gospels When he said that He basically said to to the people That the Pharisees Will bring condemnation And when condemnation comes You know what type of a tree it is It's a law tree Somebody phoned me yesterday And we had such a wonderful discussion We spoke on the phone For an hour and 15 minutes And this lady said to me she said, you know, Bertie, I, I went to this, this uh, course and uh, they spoke about intimacy with God. And How can I be more intimate with God? And, uh, uh, and then she said, man, I love intimacy with God and I want to be intimate with God. Let, let's go and speak. And then they start to teach and say, listen, intimacy comes out of a pure heart. Man, right there, you should just say, whoa, something is, it looks as if it's wrong. And then they said, God's love is agape love and we've got eros love. Eros love is like a sexual lust love. We, it's what we can get out of, out of somebody. It, it, it's, it's, it's to satisfy myself. But God's love is an unconditional love that's agape love, a love that gives. And then it says, they said, we must have the same type of love and that brings intimacy. We must be on the same level. So, God looks at your life this is what they said. And, and, and then he looks what type of love you have. And if it's an eros love, he will let you go around the mountain again until he sees the agape love and then he'll open up his deepness and his heart and you'll have intimacy with God. Rubbish. It's not the gospel. A teaching like that shows to you Now, I'm radical about this, but listen to me. It shows to you that the people who teach us that are not preachers of the gospel of grace. They are, we can see the tree, man. The tree is a law tree. It's not bearing the right fruit. It's of the law. It's of the ministration of death. It's again man that, uh, it says, listen, it's not by your works. It's now by the motive of your heart. I want to know who's got a pure motive. <laughs> there is nobody with a pure motive. Eh? Patty, do you want to say that your motive is not always pure? Yes. It is like that. Sometimes I find myself not having a pure motive. Listen, if your motive was pure, if people would, could be judged by a pure motive and people could have a 100% pure motive, then Jesus died in vain for some people. But the Bible says there's no one righteous, no not one, measured by the law. Not one, not one. That means not one. That means Job was not righteous. That means, but the Bible says Job was righteous, yes, in his generation. He was righteous He was a a good guy And Job speaks prophetically About Jesus Christ anyway So They want to get into Job again But there's no one righteous So God's not going to look at the motive Of your heart Because the Bible says The heart of man Is deceivable Above all things Not pure It's deceptive Above all things Above all things The heart of a person Can deceive you Because you say, look at the pure heart that I have Man, somebody goes to the casino I've got a pure heart I'm going to sponsor the work of God Take a thousand dollars, gamble, win ten thousand dollars And the church never sees him again But he had a pure heart And if you could have put a lie detector on him You will see that he is not lying, he's true But the moment he gets the money, his heart changes now You can't judge yourself according to the motive of your heart And the pureness of your heart The way you judge yourself is by the heart of God Which was imputed unto you And given to you as a gift Hallelujah Now when it comes to Romans chapter 5 Let's read this It says from verse 19 For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners So by the obedience of one Now uh, that word many the The right translation there is The many will be made righteous Let me read it again For as by one man's disobedience Many were made sinners So by the obedience of one Shall that many be made righteous Moreover the law entered That the offense might abound So why did the law enter? So that we can have fruit unto sin (laughs) To say it that way Doesn't sound that good But that's what it is Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, in other words, how does offense abound? It's more sin. So why did God give the law? So that you can have more sin, my friend. Oh, God will never do that. Oh, yeah. Wrote it down that there could be a law that the sin might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more. Abound. So what he was saying is he wanted everybody to see that they are a sinner But the grace of God is greater than any sin that could ever be committed by the law So what he was saying is God's power to forgive outweighs the power of the law to make you a sinner Right That as sin reigned unto death even so might grace reign through righteousness Unto eternal life by Christ Jesus our Lord, I don't want to get into debt like there Verse chapter 6 verse 1 What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Now how do we continue in sin? It, according to verse 19 But as by, uh, uh, sorry verse 20 Moreover the law entered that the offence might abound So it says shall we continue in sin That grace may abound So how do we continue in sin? We continue in sin by sticking to the law So he says here, shall we continue under the law so that we see sin in our lives so that we can say, well, I am forgiven now. No, no, that's not, he says no. Don't you know that the grace message works this way. It takes away the law. So we're not going to see an increase of sin anymore. We're going to see righteousness now manifesting in our lives. So he's not trying to say to people there, listen now, yes, you're under the grace, but watch out. Don't think that if you're under the grace, you can now go and sin. That's not what He's saying. He is further elaborating and sharing and showing to us what true grace really is. And He said to them, listen, now that you are in Christ, don't be, and I want to use my own words, under this message now that wants to point out your sins again and tell you stop this, stop this, stop this, stop this being under the law, seeking justification and blessing by rules and commandments and those type of things. Shall we continue under the law now that grace has come so that we can still see sin in our lives? No. Jesus died and when He died, you died and the death He spoke about there is in Romans chapter 7 says, Know ye brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that The law has dominion over a man as long as what he lives. For the woman which has an husband is bound to the law to her husband so long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she be married to another, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law so that she now is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, you also became dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So what he says here, God had to do great work before He could see any fruit in our lives. For God to expect any good fruit out of you, He had to give His Son, pay for sin, take away the law, pour the Holy Spirit out of you, and get your mind renewed, before He can expect any fruit of you. And then He said, I'll bear the fruit in them, for of themselves they can do nothing. Now, that's an awesome word. If that doesn't bless you, I don't know. This is It's like I preach this, I say, God, how can I just remember all of this again because I want to preach it again tonight. <laughs> it's like, Lord, I want to remember all of this. It, I believe God is speaking this to you. He's sharing this with you so that you can know of yourself. You can bear no fruit. Of yourself, there's nothing you can do. Romans 5 clearly says that Romans 6 It says Shall we then continue in the law That we that sin my bound No Know you not That as many as were baptized into Jesus Were baptized into his death What death did he then die Death unto the law Therefore we Therefore we are buried with him By baptism into death That like as Christ was raised up from the dead By the glory of the Father Even so we also should walk in newness of life For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death We shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection Knowing this, that the old man is crucified with Him That the body of sin might be destroyed That henceforth we should not serve sin So the body of sin should be destroyed. What's the body of sin? What's the embodiment in which sin thrives? It's the body that says, I relate to God on the basis of rules and regulations. For in that body is where sin bears its fruit. It's where where sin places its seed through the law and then bears fruit and then brings forth death. But that body has died. And a new body is given, the resurrected Christ. And when we identify and see ourselves in Him, sin has found no place in our lives. Not because we are now under grace and because we are now under grace, we now take up our responsibility to stop to sin. (laughs) That's not what Paul says. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, man, it is awesome to know this unconditional love of God. I would like you... We've come to the end of of our session today Um, I would like you to to know That God's love is unconditional towards you God's love is a love that, that that, That has set you free From this condemnation You cannot bear fruit by yourself You cannot bear fruit by yourself It is just simply impossible I think we need to end off with a scripture Let's go to Galatians Let's go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5 It says here, But if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, in other words, those that are under the law, are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, Lasciviousness means um, Complete inordinate sexual desire Idolatry Witchcraft Hatred Variance Emulations Wrath Strife Sedition Heresies Envies Murder Drunkenness Revelings And such like Now that is The fruit that the seed of the law will bear in your life. That is the story of your life that the law will write. The law, if you're under the law, the story of, say, Peter that's watching this, will be a life of adultery, a life of fornication, a life of uncleanness, a life of lasciviousness, a life of witchcraft and hatred, variance. Maybe not all of this, but you'll find that there. That is the story of your life. That the law will write But the fruit of the spirit The story of the life Of Peter When he is not under the law But he's received the word of grace Is a story That talks about love in his life Joy, peace, long suffering Gentleness, goodness, faith Meekness, temperance That's what will be written And there will not even be A law against that Isn't that awesome? And they that, they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So many times we say, well, I'm alive in the Spirit then I want to walk by the law. No, no. If you are alive in the Spirit, we also walk in the Spirit. And we see that manifestation coming through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I want to say this... Um, if you don't know, we've got a live broadcast Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays and Fridays, GMT Plus 2. I've also put a clock on the homepage there with a GMT Plus um, 2 setting so you can know exactly when it is. Um, sometimes it doesn't record that we don't have it in the archive. So make sure that you um, be at your computer at GMT Plus 2 if you want to watch this at uh, 2 o'clock. GMT Plus 2 at 14 hours South African time. And that is Monday, Tuesday, Thursdays, and Fridays. Then I want to remind you of our web church cell meeting that we have um, on Wednesdays at 14 hours. So make sure that you um, be part of that if you would like to be part of that. And then if you've got any questions, you can send it to live at dynamicministries.com and I would love to answer your questions over the air. So that is awesome. So um, send those questions to us if you've got any prayer request whatsoever please email that as well to um, info at dynamicministries.com info at dynamicministries.com, that's prayer request questions live at dy- dynamicministries.com so that I can answer those things live for you. Well, I want to thank everybody that has slotted in here. We're going to end this program and, um, and just play out with a beautiful song and just enjoy the song. It is such an awesome, awesome song and uh, send this link to people if you would like to do that. And uh, that, that this gospel can be shared. And remember this one thing, that God loves you unconditionally and you can always enjoy the love of God.